Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. How's everybody doing? Good. Awesome. Well, I get the privilege to teach this morning. Uh, Shannon's at West. And so again, we're continuing through 1 John. And I thought I'd just do a little bit of Q&A for a second here. What, um, tell me what 1 John's about. What are we learning? What's the message of 1 John? Did you say love? That's a pretty good, that's a pretty safe answer. <laughs> that's good, that's good. We learned about that last week, right? Jesus, this is about Jesus. <laughs> all right, all right. So that's the big picture. All right, let's see if we can start to narrow it down a little bit. Uh, what's, first, what's the context of 1 John? Who is John speaking to? What's the, he's speaking to the church? What's the climate of the church? Messed up. Little iffy, okay? So, you know, so again, these questions, probably, these answers probably, it's funny as I'm hearing these, I'm like, yep, so the church is what? Messed up, right? <laughs> okay, so the, Anything else? Anything more specific? I'm not, I'm not sitting here waiting for the right answer. I want to pull this out, right? Like as we, like if, if I'm sitting here on Sunday morning and I'm listening, a lot of times when I walk out, I'm, my mind's gone. I'm thinking about lunch. I'm thinking about the week. I'm thinking about our, you know, meal list that we need to make so we can go grocery shopping, all that kind of stuff. So, but we're, we have the benefit and the blessing of being a body here. That we're, we're small enough that we can interact like this, right? So I'm going to ask a few questions as we move along to see, to see how we're learning. So preaching and teaching serve per, several purposes, right? One is to proclaim the gospel, and that's just, boom, we're just going to proclaim that. And, and, and hopefully God speaks through his word, through the proclamation. And then there's a teaching element, too. Or we, we want to learn and we want to sharpen the doc. You know, we're going through some doctrinal stuff. One of the things that John is doing here, he's speaking truth and he's speaking doctrinal correctness because the climate is a, is a challenging one. And so he's speaking to the church and he's saying, you need to love each other, right? And he's putting boundaries around like who Jesus is. He came in the flesh. We believe in Jesus because he came in the flesh. We know Right? He came in the flesh. And there's a certain segment of people who had left the church and were speaking something other than that. And these were false teachers. Right? So John is speaking out a cautionary word and a corrective word to be like, hey, there's all this other stuff going on. Don't be led astray by this. James preached a couple weeks ago about antichrist, people who were literally speaking against Jesus and they came out from the church. Right? So that's the climate of, of where 1 John is at, and it's not too dissimilar to what we're going through here. That's what's so great about the power of Scripture and about the Word, is that the things that were going on back then in the early church, we're experiencing here too, right? So we often have the opportunity to be led astray by things that look like they're the gospel, but they're not, right? And we got to be really, really careful. So today, as, I go, as we go through 1 John 3, 1 through 10, it's going, to be a pro, it's, it's going to be part pro, proclamation. We're proclaiming who we are in Christ. Who we, we're children of God. We're into the family of Christ. And also a warning, right? So there's a, there's a proclamation and there's a warning. So I want to see if you guys can get that and follow along with it. So you're like, oh, man, 
I gotta pay attention to this, okay? So I'll ask a few questions throughout and then feel free, if I say hey and it's awkward, like hey, I'm asking for some response, answer and feel free to do so, okay? Um, all right, so I'm gonna uh, read the text that we're gonna go through and, um, and then I'm gonna pray for us, okay? So it should be up on the, on the screen there. So we're going through 1 John 3, 1 through 10, and I'll just read it out loud, so follow along if you can. How great, is the love of the, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right, is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Father, I ask that you would come and, after reading your word, that you would speak to us. Lord, we want to we look at this. We want to learn from it. Not only do we want to learn, but we want our lives to be shaped by it, because we trust and believe that this, these are your words, and these are your words that were spoken through John for the church then, but for the church now and for us now. So I ask that you would speak to us, and as always, Lord, I pray that you would comfort those who are in need of comfort, Lord, I pray that you would challenge those who are in need of challenge, Lord, and I pray that you would convict where we need conviction. I pray that we would be aware of our position in you as children of God, and that we would heed the warning to pay attention to sin and to take it seriously, Lord. And I pray that you would, you would give us and root us firmly in our identity as being your children, that that would give us vision, Lord, to be able to resist temptation and to resist the works of the enemy, to be able to walk that out, Lord. So I pray that you'd be glorified here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week Shannon talked about, um, he went through 1 John um, 3, 11 through 24, and that was, about being, that was about loving one another, okay? And so one of the cool things about having a teaching team is that there's multiple voices and that there's multiple people who can speak and that kind of thing. One of the bummers about it is that we go out of order sometimes, okay? So right now, I'm going, I'm going to cover verses 1 through 10, and, and uh, Shannon had already covered verses 11 through 24, and Scripture is ordered on purpose, right? So Shannon's talking about, and I didn't hear the message, but, I, but Shannon, just by looking at the text, is going to talk to you guys about loving each other, right? Which is a very powerful message, but it's really important that it comes after the message that John speaks today, okay? And what he talks about today, one of the most well-known verses, right, is 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love of the Father that he has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. 
there was a song to this, right? Does anyone, when you read that verse, does anyone hear that in their head? Right? Okay. I don't even know how it goes now, but yeah. You want to hear it? That's, that's for a different day. So I don't think that we can, um, we'll do that on the 30th of this month. Um, we are uh, awesome, cheesy jokes. Um, so it's really, really important that we don't just blaze through that, right? Especially when we're going through scripture and we come to a familiar verse, sometimes we're prone to what? Scan along. You know, one of the bummers about the way how fast information flows right now is that we're all used to scanning so quickly. We're going on our phones through our feed or whatever, do you know what I mean? And we just scan and we don't stop, right? So we do that sometimes with scripture. So we need to pause here and pay attention to what's being spoken here. And he starts out by saying, how great is the love of the Father that he has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. So long before he gets into the warning about sin or long before he tells us and calls us out to make sure that we love each other, John is saying, and right, he's correcting, right? He's providing doctrinal correctness in light of all these anti-Christ teachings and these people who are trying to seek people to lead them astray. He says, time out. Let's establish who we are in Christ. Let's establish that we are family First, that we're called to family, right? It's almost like he's calling a family meeting together. Like in our house, when things are getting chaotic and, you know, I'm candidly losing my mind, I'm getting angry and that kind of stuff. If I, like, just pause for a second, I'm like, oh, man, I just need to get everybody together real quick. Let's gather up here quick. Let's talk about the truth. Let's get rooted in who we are as family, our small family, and now as the body of Christ. This is so, so important that we know who we are in Christ. What God calls us to, what I mentioned earlier, isn't just a church service, isn't just a program, isn't a club, isn't a tradition, isn't a whatever it is. It's family. It's family. We shouldn't, we shouldn't get tired of hearing this, right? It's family. So God is calling us to family. And guess what? Families are broken, right? So now if we look at our families here, we look at the state of families. They're broken. Many of us come from broken families families, from broken homes, right? And so when we hear John saying, I'm going to call, your father calls you to be called children of his. He's inviting you to family. Some of us are like, oh, family. Here we go, right? I came here to get away from family. You know, I want to come here and just be anonymous and, you know, do my thing. So yes, families are broken. And yes, families cause a lot of pain. And there's a lot of hurt A lot of times in our families, we experience that. God's heart is to redeem us and call us back into family with himself, that we will be called children of God. We will be called children of God, that your primary identity is rooted not by the family name that you have, right, but by the the person that's called you into the heavenly family. Amen? This is super, super important. I feel like if we miss this, nothing else makes sense. We operate from a different position, and we act differently when we don't understand who we are in Christ. We don't understand who our Father is. It drives everything. It's the big E on the I chart, right? Like, who are we? Sons, daughters. Okay, and then what do we do? Everything else that falls underneath it, right? So God has a plan, and he's definitely called us to be part of his mission, but if we don't understand who we are in Christ, and that we're part of his family, everything else breaks down super quickly. Okay, so this isn't a drive-through verse. 
Okay? It's very significant. I'm reading from the NIV today. Most times it's ESV. I actually like the, I like the NIV in this because there's exclamation marks. Right? Like, I love that. And I, I appreciate it. I, if anyone has ever received an email from me, it's, even if it's just like, all right, great, so we'll meet on Tuesday. Yeah! Exclamation mark, you know? Perfect! You know, like, I'm always overly expressive in, in email, that kind of thing, just because email has no tone, right? So I'm always like, smiley faces, you know, and exclamation marks, So which I'm totally comfortable with, but people on the other end are like, why is that guy so excited about setting that stupid appointment, you know? <laughs> Super excited to meet you, you know? <laughs> so, but here's the deal. So John, or John in, in, in this version here in NIV, it says, how great is the love of the Father that is lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Exclamation mark. Let's pay attention to that. That's who we are. It's vital. So that's super, super powerful. Okay? So where do we get this idea from family from? Where does the idea of family come from? It comes from God. And when did it start? When did the idea of family start? Trinity. That's right. So God says... Right? You're doing good. That's right. I'm going to keep looking over here. That's good. That's good. So this, that's a, this is a huge truth often that we overlook, right? So the Trinity is made up of who? So three, right? So they're a family, right? There's, there's, there's a collective group. And what happens is God says in Genesis 1.26, let us make man. Let us make man. So God is calling humanity into family. It's super important to get this. It wasn't out of a position of like absence or deficiency that God was like, hey, let's make man. Like, hey, we're bored, God. We've been hanging out for a long time together, right? Like <laughs> a really long time. And we need something to do. We don't have a weekend plan. So I know, let's make some people to hang out with. No, it was, whoa, we are perfect and harmonious and we all love each other and defer to each other, right? And it's a perfect family. We want to share this with people. And we want to call people into family with us. So I think this is a super important truth that we get. It wasn't out of a position of deficiency that God created humanity. It was one of abundance that he wanted to call us in to share with him. Amen? That's powerful. That's powerful. So we're like, oh, man, so we're not an accident. We weren't an afterthought. God had some chores to do, so he had some kids, right? Not that I've ever thought that, right? You know? Oh, we got all this work to do. Good thing I had a bunch of kids because they can get it done. You know? That's wrong thinking. Now, because my kids are part of my family, they have work to do, and they do it. But it breaks down real quick when I tell my kids, do it because I told you, Right? Not because, oh, you're part of the family. And as a family, we all work together and we do stuff, right? So that's, again, super, super important that we understand that God's called us to be part of his family. And out of being part of his family, then we walk out into action. And we don't do that first. We don't act and obey and work so that we can become part of the family. We act and obey and work because we are part of the family, right? So it's because of our identity as part of God's family that we then go out and act. There's a significant difference there. Amen? Yeah. Amen. That's powerful. So that's, that's what John's talking about. So he's getting at this. Um, super powerful, too. God isn't calling us. In John 15, 15, Jesus speaks to the disciples, and he says, I no longer call you servants or slaves. 
I call you friends. I call you friends. Because, I'll just read it. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So we're part of family, and we're not just little worker bee servants like I was just saying, right? That's not who we are, right? We get to do that because of who our Father is, but that's not our primary identity. If I'm trying to beat this thing to death, it's because I'm trying, if it sounds like I'm trying to beat it to death, it's because I am, okay? It's super, super important, okay? So um, I'll share with you kind of a, a little bit of testimony on this. So a couple weeks ago, Michael Leeson and his son Linus and my son Caleb got to go to Jamaica to teach at this YWAM base. Who's familiar with YWAM? Okay, so a number of you are, are familiar with YWAM. That's awesome. Who's, been, who's ever been to a DTS? Who's been on DTS? We got some YWAMers here. Awesome. Okay, so you know, so the way that, and so for a lot of you who don't know what DTS is, Discipleship Training School. So you can go anywhere in the world. YWAM is an international missions organization, and they have, you know, bases all over the world. And the goal is so that you go get trained to be able to be a missionary, to go out and serve in some other place in the world. And now it could be here in the States or it could be a different country. And so um, Michael, who teaches here often, um, he's on staff with YWAM. And so he was asked to go to this Jamaican YWAM base and teach for the whole week on the Father Heart of God. So the students, as you're going through your curriculum, as the first three months of your, of your discipleship training school, you have all these different themed weeks that you're going through, right? to be able to get correct doctrine, to be able to understand who you are in Christ so that you can then go out and be a servant and be a missionary, okay? And so Michael's done it a few times, and I kind of got to tag along with him and see, you know, how this, to co-teach with him. So powerful that part of the curriculum is to spend a whole week on understanding the Father heart of God before you go into missions, so powerful. I love it that they take the time to be like, listen, we're not going to be like, all right, for 45 minutes, we're going to talk about who you are in God so that you can go get up there now because Scripture says, you know, pray for the laborers because we need them. We need to get out there and get at it. No, stop, sit, listen, understand who you are in Christ, and we're going to go through that with you, knowing who the Father is. So we had the privilege, man, it was so good, so good um, to be able to sit down for a week and teach the students. So the students... There's, there's a small group, there's six of them, and three of them are from Jamaica, and two of them from the U.S., and one of them is from um, Canada. And so it's a mixed group of people from all different walks of life and all different areas, and so we're talking about the Father heart of God. And at the beginning of the week, you can, <laughs> it was funny, you could tell, like there's YWAM staff who are facilitating that kind of stuff, and they're talking to us, like, hey, so this is a big week, you know, I'm going to sit in on this with you because we know that when we talk about the Father heart of God, it's go mode, like stuff's gonna, stuff's gonna come out, right? Like stuff's gonna be, it's gonna get messy. And, it, and, and so we wanna make sure that we're in prayer here. We wanna make sure that we're present. We wanna make sure that you guys are equipped, that you know, you know how this might be. And I'm excited. I'm like, oh man, what's gonna happen? So at the beginning of the week, we're talking about what we're gonna go over and we you know, give some homework and some tasks and that kind of thing. One of them was to, that we said towards the end of the week, you're going to write a letter to God, and he's going to write a letter back to you, but you're going to write it, right? Well, that's a powerful exercise, right? Dear Father, you write out what, he's, what you're saying to God. <clears throat> and then also the response, dear daughter, dear Sally, dear Mike. And the girls are like, uh, I don't want to do that. Oh, by the way, then you're going to share it with everybody. <laughs> 
So we could tell that there was just this tense moment, you know. And so Michael and I, we're taking this serious. We, we want to pray for these girls. We want to see the love of the Father come hard. And boy, man, did God, God show it up. God showed up through the process. It was beautiful. The girls who were stiff and just kind of unsure, like uh, towards the end of the week, just completely different people. Having been able to talk about forgiving their earthly dads or get stuff off, that, you know, stuff they've never talked about. And it all came after we taught for three full days about who the father is. I remember one of the best parts was that Michael was teaching, so I'll rip this off from him. And he was talking about how, you know, when you used to go into war, the old, you know, armies would go into battle and they'd have this big banner, right? And there'd be like a tiger or a dragon or a line that you'd lead with as you're going out into battle. Like, hey, this is who we are. Pay attention. Bow down. Submit. Surrender. This is a powerful force. I love this imagery. And Michael was saying, he's like, listen, as you go through your life, the banner that you carry, the thing that you're waving is one of daughterhood. It's one of sonship. And that, like John says, and that is who we are. So as you're going out into battle, as you're going out and you're walking out, like you're leading with, I'm a son of the king. Look at the flag. I'm a daughter of the most high. Look at that flag. Does that change how you walk? Does that change your confidence? Does that help you be able to take risks? Does that help you be able to do things that you didn't think that you could do? Knowing who you are in Christ? It sure does. It's super powerful. But how often do we forget who we are, that we're children of God? How often do we forget that? And we slink back and think, I'm no good. He wouldn't love me. Everyone else has said this about me. They speak in these truths about me. They speak in these, they're not truths, they're lies, right? And we diminish and we, and we get beat down by all these things, all this wrong thinking to think that we're not worthy, that he could, I've done all this stuff and there's no way that he could forgive me. And Jesus says, and I died for you. I died to be able to call you into family. And, and, and make no mistake, I'm not diminishing the sins that we walk in as if they're nothing. They cost Jesus everything, but he's big enough to take them, amen? If all we have to do is come confess our sins, I'm not, I'm not diminishing it, all we have to do is get that off our chest and repent and recognize who Jesus is so that we get to walk as sons and daughters with a banner as we go out. Man, who doesn't want to do that? Why would we not want to have that crazy exchange? Here, I'll give you my stuff, and you give me all yours? That's ridiculous. That's a horrible deal for God. That's a horrible deal. It is, but he does it gladly. We're called co-heirs. As we give him all our stuff, all our junk, and it is stuff, and it is junk, and it is ugly. It's horrible, right? But God's not too big for it or too small for it. Right? He wants to call us and to say, hey, listen, all you got to do is, well, how much do I have to give you, God? Everything. Well, what do I get in return? Everything. What a great exchange. Amen? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So as we're going through this class with these girls, I was just like, oh, Lord, this is so good for me to remember this. How do I forget this all the time? And I parent, from a, I parent my kids from a position of ownership, a transactional relationship that I step into. You do this and I'll do this. Okay, not one of because you're mine, I love you, and we all live it together, right? So, so powerful. So, so powerful. And in Jamaica, man, it's like fatherlessness is rampant. 
I was talking with these girls. They got like, you know, it's super broken families. Like don't even know their dad. There's three, four people who've been in their mom's lives, you know, and their mom's a rock, you know, and different kids from different families and all that kind of stuff. And I, <clears throat> I, was, I was seeing how the, how the operating system of some of these guys are thinking, you know. So we are, we're taking a taxi to go to dinner, and we grab this small taxi. And there's an older guy who's probably in his, not older, like, I'm just saying he wasn't like a teenager, right? He was probably in his 50s or 60s. And so we hop in, and it's me and Michael and our two boys who are 11 and 10. <clears throat> He's like, hey, you guys American? We're like, yeah, yeah. He's like, what are you guys doing here? Oh, we're just hanging out with some friends, you know. He's like, you guys looking for ladies? You know? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> that must be like, a, you, the response you must often get is yes. I don't know why otherwise you would ask that so quickly, right? I'm like, no, man, I got a lady, you know? And, and he's like, that's okay, you can have more. I'm like, I'm good with the one I got, you know? Like, I'm super content, you know? And there was a young lady sitting next to him, and she was just like, smacking him, you know? She's like, see? You know? And I'm like, man, what is it, you know, why, do we, why did he feel so comfortable being like, what are you guys looking for? Looking for ladies? Probably because a lot of guys are like, yeah, for sure. Hook me up. You know what I mean? Show me. That's what I came here for, right? Because that's the ugly, awful truth of the brokenness of humanity and the brokenness of all these lost little boys out there who don't know their father and are trying to figure out how they can make it in the world, right? Because that's who we are, right? If we don't know our father, we're lost little boys trying to figure it out on our own. And it's a mess. We make a mess of it. So thank God that he calls us to family. Thank God that he calls us into being sons and daughters of his. Have I beat this one to death enough? So here's the thing. Order is super, super, super important. So John goes through the first few, voices, for few verses, and he's talking about being family. And some of this stuff gets really deep really quick, and we're not going to be able to go over it through it all today, right? Like when he's talking about... Um, but we know him that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I, I believe he's speaking about like as it was intended to be, like in our, in our heavenly bodies, right? When God comes to earth to restore all of mankind back to him, then we'll have no separation. There'll be no sin. It'll all be done, right? So, but again, he's still talking about family. And then he gets into verse 4. So we're like, yes, family, Amen. Yes, I want to I want in on that. I'm all in on that. He's like, "All right, cool. Now that we established that verse 4, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness." Where did that come from, man? Uh, what are you talking about? Like talk about the ah! because we are we are children of the Father, but we live in this broken world and we're prone towards sin. We are prone towards living and acting in walking out in our sin. So um, 1 John 1.10 says, if we, are without, if we say that we are without sin, we're liars, right? We're liars, okay? So why did Jesus come? In verse 5 it tells us. Someone tell me, why did Jesus come? In 1 John 3.5, what does it say? Take away sin. So Jesus... And the Trinity, they thought it was important enough for, the, for Jesus to come to redeem people back to him as family. And he came with a few different tasks. And one was to take away sin. To take away sin. So we can't not talk about this. I think they talk about sin or sinned or sinning ten times in these ten verses. Super important. Because we're prone towards it. And that's who we are unless we're marked by the Father. 
right? So um, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. We don't like to hear that, but it's good to know what we're saved from. Amen. It's good to know what God is calling us to, and it's good to know what He's calling us from. And it's good to be aware of our own depravity so that we don't just walk in it and think that there's nothing wrong with it, right? Because it is. Because sin cost Jesus a lot. Enough that he had to, what? Die. He had to die for it. Again, this is like Sunday School 101, but we forget it, right? We forget. We're like, ah, what was it? Um, I actually don't want to talk about sin anymore. Can we talk about that good stuff over his children again? Right? You can't have one without the other, though. You can't have one without the other. And I want to be a son of the king really, really bad, so I guess i got to own my sin and step into it, right? And see, and, and, and handle it, and deal with it. So the proclamation is you're children of the Father. But guess what? we got to talk about this stuff, because it's real, and it's going to destroy you, and it's so significant, I had to come down from heaven to die for it. That's how bad it is. That's how ugly it is. Whoa, we're like, okay, you know? So, um, sin is serious. So, so, when you're reading through this, you're like, gosh, anybody who breaks, anybody who sins isn't in him, you're like, ah, man, that's super heavy. And then if it's, uh, well, I know I've sinned. First John says in, in, in chapter 1, if we say that we're without sin, we're liars. So what do we do then? What do we do about this sin thing? Who is going to speak on our behalf? Who's going to speak on our behalf about our sin? Jesus. He is our advocate. Thank God for Jesus as our advocate. Where does it say that? He's our advocate. Okay? So, we know in 1 John 2.1, what does it say? 1 John 2.1, My dear children, I write this to you, that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. So thank God for Jesus. Sounds super elementary, but here's the deal. We're prone to walk in sin. We're prone towards it. We're broken, right? And we're gonna, if we say that we're without sin and we don't have it, we're liars. But thank God that we have an advocate, Jesus, who will stand before the Father and say, I got this one. Right? That's powerful. That's super, super powerful. Now, we can't make light of that. Oh, Jesus has got this one. I'm good. I'm just going to go do my thing. No, if you recognize, again, go back to the, this isn't the duty part. Right? This is not the duty part. If you remember who you are as a son or a daughter of the king, do you think you're going to want to pursue holiness? Yes, it's the natural outflow of knowing that you're a son and daughter. It's not domineering. It's not that, right? It's, well, why wouldn't I want to? Why wouldn't I want to put to rest the flesh? Why wouldn't I want less of what separates me from God? Right? That, but, but we get entangled. Why do we get so easily entangled? Because there's an enemy who hates us and wants to destroy us. He can't get at God. God has victory over the enemy, amen? So who, how can he hurt God? By attacking his kids, right? That's his tactic. It's always been his tactic. It always will be his tactic. Because he knows the future, but he's going to have a heck of a time ruining our lives 
while he has some time, right? So it's so interesting that John says, here's who you are. You're children of God. Beware of sin. Beware of the sin thing. It's so costly. It's so costly. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. Don't let anyone lead you astray. I love how John says that because I don't want to be yelled at. Hopefully you guys don't think you're getting yelled at even though I'm talking loud. Right? You don't want to be yelled at. You want to be like, ah. Oh. So when John says, dear children, I can grab some more. Um, that's important, right? Dear children, don't let anyone turn you astray. Don't let anyone lead you astray. He says that because we're prone to go astray. We're prone to listen to other, other doctrines, other theologies, other voices speaking to us. That sin, that's so old school. People don't care about sin anymore. You guys still, you guys still think, you guys still talk about sin? Man, what's wrong with you guys? You know, we've arrived. We don't talk about that. What is sin? You know what I mean? It's real. So we get led astray. We get led astray easily. Otherwise, God would, otherwise John wouldn't, wouldn't speak to us. One second. Verse 8 is a fun one. You should put up in your kids' rooms over their beds. If anyone makes a practice of sinning, he's of the devil. I don't mean to, be, I don't mean to make light of it. And I guess I shouldn't have said that joke otherwise. Here's the deal. There's some meaty stuff in here. There's some weighty stuff in here. And we got we to gotta look at this. We got to talk about this. If anyone keeps sinning, he's of the devil. Of the devil. That's super intense. That's the other thing people don't want to talk about. Sin or the devil. Let's not talk about that. Let's go back to the part about God loving us. Let's go back to that part because I can listen to that for a while. No. Let's own this church. Amen. Let's get into it. Okay. So, dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And here's what tells us the other reason why God came. Why did Jesus come? Destroy the works of the devil. So these are the things I want to pay attention to. Why did Jesus come? To take away sin and destroy the works of the devil. Man, I better pay attention to not be a part of either one of those things so that I don't get in on what God's bringing against us. Right? I mean, it's pretty simple. Like, he came to take away sin. Let's not make light of it. Jesus hates that. That's what he came to take away. Let's not toy with and dance around the things of the devil and be like, ah, it's cute. It's not. It's an enemy of Jesus, and he hates you. The enemy hates you. And he will do all he can to get at you. Right? That's super powerful. So Satan's tactics have always been the same. If we look in Genesis 3.1, when the serpent is in the garden, and Adam and Eve right, are in perfect harmony at that time with the father. Right? And Eve is, alone. Eve is in the garden. I don't think she's alone. I think Adam's there. It's a whole other preaching for a different day. But the enemy, Satan says to, says to Eve, what does he say in Genesis 3.1? Did God really say? So God speaks to you, you're my daughter. I love you. I have these boundaries for you. I want you to operate with him because I love you. Let's walk together. Let's go get a walk in the garden, right? Eat of all these fruits. Just don't go to that one, right? But the enemy is like, ooh, what did God say? He said, don't, he said he wanted you to go to that one. Why not? Why did he say that, right? And there's this whole interaction, which I'm not going to get into, but the point is this. The enemy goes to Eve and says, did he really say that? 
What did he say? So what's the enemy's tactic there? Create a wedge of doubt. Doubt. You know, doubt who you are. Doubt, doubt who God already said he is. Right? And we know that to be true. But the enemy comes along. He's like, ah, really? Is that what he really said? Nah. Let's talk about that. And so Eve's like, ah. And let's not even talk about what Adam was doing. Where the heck was Adam, right? Like, it says later, I guess I am going to talk about it. Adam, who was there with her, took some. Right? So this is all on Eve. Eve gets a bad rap. Right? It should be on Adam. So the thing is, the devil comes, Satan comes, and his tactics are to create a wedge between God and his people to operate through doubt and mistrust. And if ultimately sin is not trusting that God is who he says he is, right? If you boil it all down, right? Like the root of, at the root of all sin, it's that you don't trust that God is who he is. And so you act away from what you know to be true. Like, nah, did God really say, you know, you bring up a good point, Satan. Let's talk about this. Right? So that's, what the, that's the enemy's tactic with Eve and Adam, right? And that leads to the fallen, broken world that we are walking in. So here's the thing. What is Satan? That's always his tactic, right? It's always to create division. So we know that Jesus came to defeat the works of the devil. So if you're Satan and you see Jesus come down from heaven and you see him about to walk into his ministry, what are you going to do? Who are you coming after? You're going to come after Jesus. Oh, this is the guy? Oh, this guy? Here? I got this guy. I got these tactics I've been using for centuries. I'm going to bust them out on him. So we see this in Matthew 3, where Jesus is about to step into the ministry that God's called him to. And it's this beautiful, beautiful verse where it says, let me get out of here. Um, Where it says that the sky opens up, right? Jesus gets baptized. And the voice of the Father, the sky is split, and the Father says, This is my Son with whom I'm well pleased. And everyone's like, Oh, Jesus is the Son of God. Oh, man. That's super, that's super important, right? And then what happens right after that? Matthew 4. Let's go to Matthew 4, quick. I have it written down, but I want to get the verse before it. So bear with me. So Matthew 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After, forcing, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Makes sense. Um, the tempter came to him and said, what is Satan's tactic here? The tempter comes to, to Satan, or the tempter Satan comes to Jesus after, mind you, Jesus just got told publicly that he's the son of the Father with whom he's well pleased. Satan comes and says... Oh, you're tired? Oh, you're hungry? God just spoke some truth to you? God just said before everybody that he's well pleased with you? And you're now you're hungry? And this is what he says, so powerful in verse 3. If you are the son of God, stop. Doesn't matter what the next thing is. It does, but let's just get that down. If you are the son of God, Satan comes after Jesus and questions what? His identity as a son. Oh, you got a plan? You're coming, so you're going to come defeat, you're going to take away sin, you're going to defeat my work? Who do you think you are? If you really were the son, you'd tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answers with scripture, which is super powerful, but we can't minimize the fact that Satan's plans are always the same. Assault on your identity. 
Oh, you think you're a son of God? Really? What did he say to you? Walk with me. I'll talk with you. And we sometimes are like, because oh, the voice is loud, right? And so if, if Satan wasn't going to lay off of Jesus, and if Satan was going to come at Jesus and be like, wait, if you truly were the son of God, if, he, if he's going to come and have these assaults on Jesus, what do you think he's going to do to us? What do you think he's going to do to us? Both barrels, baby. Bam! You think, oh, God speaks something to you, okay? He speaks some truth to you. You're walking in victory and your recovery. You go to the if gathering. He speaks, this is what you're called to. Da, 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 da. It's all so good. You're like, I'm going to use you. I care about you. You're part of my family. I have work for you to do. I've been dying for this opportunity to love on you. I'm going to... You step out. You get nailed by the enemy. Who do you think you are? It reminds you of all your stuff. Remember when you did this? You think you're good enough? Remember when you did that? You think God wants that? No, you're going to give him a bad name. Right? The enemy will always attack you at a point when God's speaking to you. When he speaks truth to you, the enemy's there with lies. And sometimes, even after hearing the truth of the Father, we decide to walk away from that and listen to the lies of the enemy, and we got him right where, he's got us right where he wants us. And we step in, and we're like, oh, man, how'd I end up here? You know? Thank God for Jesus who calls us back. Hey, I got you. You're still my son. You're still my daughter. Amen? Amen. So we can't, we can't think too highly of ourselves that we're immune to the enemy's plans. We can't think too highly of ourselves that Satan's not going to come at us and assault us with lies and say, you're not good enough. You're not his son. You're not his daughter. Jesus says, silence. I'm going to defeat your works. John tells us what the works of the devil are. If someone were to tell you, what are, the works of the, what are the works of the enemy? What are they? What's that? What did Satan come to do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know the enemy's plans. We know his agenda. Thank God we know that Jesus comes to defeat the works of the enemy. What does he come to steal from us? What does he come to steal? Sorry. Joy? What else? What's that? Fellowship. And how does he do that? Lies. Yeah, the enemy comes to steal God's people, and the result is loss of joy, loss of fellowship, isolation, right? He comes to kill what? What does God care the most about? His people. Steal his people, kill the church, destroy the works of Jesus. That's his plan. And we know that. And Jesus says through John, or John tells us, that Jesus came to defeat the works of the devil. So church, we better pay attention. We better know what the plans are, and we better not trifle with sin, because that's the other thing that Jesus came to take away. Right? So Jesus came to take away sin, and he came to defeat the works of the devil. We better pay attention. Let's go back to the part now where God calls us into family. Oh, Dad, I need you. Breathe that in, right? Like, man, I see what's ahead of me. I see the enemy's got his lasers on, on my head. I'm marked. I am marked. He's coming straight at me. Dad, I need you. I need you. Thank God that's how John starts it out. We're family. That's why he's about to drop some truth on them. He's like, we're family. We're family. We're sons and daughters. Pay attention. 
because it's about to get heavy. It's about to get heavy. The enemy hates you. He'll do anything he can, right? And sin is his mechanism. That's his mechanism. That's what he does. Create doubt. So we walk out in it. What is that? You know what I mean? Does this make sense? It's scary, right? It's scary if we forget about the first part. To think that we can live this Christian walk absent of deeply being rooted in our identity as sons and daughters of the king. It's backwards. It doesn't make sense. You, get, you start to adopt. I talk about this so often because I deviate from it so often. All the time. All the time. And I'm like, oh. You start to get this front of mind. You start to see, oh, man, I've been living like a slave. I've been living like this whole relationship is just this transactional. You're a manager. I'm your employee. And I have to clock in, clock out, all that kind of stuff. Checks, lists, and all that stuff. Right? No, it's family. It's family that God's called us to. And we have to know that. I haven't even been looking at my notes. I'm going all over the place. So how important is it that we get this right, our identity piece? How important is the church? Super important. Super important. How important is it that we don't make light of sin? Super important because Jesus came to destroy that. He came to take that away, destroy the works of the enemy. So when we see the things that we're weak in, and right now, like, I would challenge you, think about, like, think about the areas in your life that you've trifled with sin, that you've made light of them, that you've been okay with, you've welcomed it in. Be like, ah, I'm okay with that one. I'm okay with that one. That one I'm good with, you know, whatever. You start to make that list, you start to see at the root of it all how it can, why you're operating in that sinful behavior, right? So if you break down like what lying is, right? Why do people lie? Oftentimes, isn't it so that they look better? I'm not going to tell you the truth. Has anyone ever lied on social media, you think? (laughs) The perfect polished version of whatever you want people to see. I'm going to put that out there, right? Like that's lying, right? What about just what we say? Stretch the truth a little bit. Why do we lie? I'm using this as an example. Because we lie because we don't trust that God's good enough, that who we are in him is good enough, so we have to help him out and stretch it a little bit. Right? So we don't believe that he's got it, so we got to help him out. Okay? So we lie because we want to look better. What about this materialism thing? We get caught up in the things that we want and need and all this stuff. Why do we think we need that? Why do we think more stuff's going to make us happy? Bigger, shiny, better. Why is it? Isn't it because we don't trust that God is our true and loving Father and that he has a whole kingdom of inheritance for us if we walk in that? Because we don't think his plan is good enough. We think we got to come up with our own. So we're like, nah, I'm just going to get this stuff, even if I can't afford it, because it's going to make me happy. And everyone's going to like me. You see how that breaks down? They're like, oh, man. So you walk in sin to make excuses or justifications for the areas of weakness, and the enemy is super, super good at giving you opportunity to walk in that. Right? What about the sexual sins? Why do we look at Why do we get stuck looking at porn? Why do we do that? We're not content. We're not content either for single. We're not content just having our minds be pure. Right? Or walking in our sexuality before the Lord and waiting, right? 
the way that God laid it out. Why? Because, you know what, this is going to make me happy now, and I kind of believe that you have a plan for me, but just in case your plan doesn't work, let me try mine. Just in case, I just want to, you know, I want to cover all my bases here. You know? And so we get stuck in that, and we lie to ourselves. It's not going to affect me. It's just this one time. You know? That's a lie from the pit of hell. It still smells like sulfur, right? Like, oh, man. No, don't minimize that. Don't minimize that. It's a lie to take you. And this is why, this is, like, when we talk about sin, it's intense, right? We talked about, we talked about sexual sins. We talked about materialism. We talked about lying and cheating and stealing, all these things. It's really intense to think about, like, well, I don't go to church. All I do is tell you all do's and don'ts and blah, 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 blah. No. All we're talking about is restoring you to family, we have to get that. It becomes do's and don'ts and lists and checklists if we don't know that God's calling us to family first. That's not to say that he doesn't have work for us to do, though, right? Like, we have to walk this out well, but first, it's family. Then you're like, oh, so when you, t- when you told me marriage looks like, when you told me, sa- ah, it's because you care about me and you're my father. Oh, I get it, Right? What about disparaging thoughts? I'm not good enough. No one likes me. You know? Have you ever suffered with that? Oh, my gosh. I was sharing. So I, I'm, I work in real estate, right? And you, have, you get through the end of the year, and you're like, okay, God. <sighs> Made it through another year. And then you're like, I'm never going to sell another house ever again. <laughs> What's going to happen? You know? Oh, I don't think. That's, that's not to trifle with. That sin, that leads towards sin. That's going to lead me to not do my business well, right? When I'm thinking out of this position of scarcity, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I better do this thing like this. Or guess what's going to happen? I'm not going to have enough because we don't trust God's provision. We don't trust his provision for us. So we step out into our own thing and we hear the lies. It's so crazy, too. It's like nothing's going to good ever happen again because someone didn't like what I said. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, we throw out all these truths for this one little comment, you know, or you have this one bad day, right? Or like some of us, you have a bunch of bad days, right? (laughs) So, but the great thing is, is that we have to see the root of this sin, which it is, is not trusting who God is and who he says he is. And that's where we're like, you have a plan. Yes, I'll make my own. And let me go do this thing. And you mentioned he comes to steal fellowship, and you don't talk with your believer friends. You isolate, and you separate, and you're like, ah, because you do one thing, and you walk in sin, and you do it, and then you feel ashamed of it. And you're like, well, now I can't show up, and I actually can't, I don't want to confess that. I already did it once or twice. I'm not going to do that. I'm just, I'm good. I just, it's too bad. And the enemy is like, oh, you're going to stay by yourself and not talk about your sin? Perfect. That's right where I want you. That's right where I want you. Because he knows that Jesus paid the price. He knows how much it cost him. He knows the truth that it's gone if we come to him, if we go to the cross and lay our burdens and get it all out there. He knows what happens. He knows it's erased. But we don't. Sometimes we forget that. We're like, "Uh, let me help you. Let me help you with that. It's crazy. It's crazy. So what does this look like for us? How do we walk this out well? Right? This is like a big, you know, I think you got to go through scripture. I think you got to walk it out with your family and your friends and give each other permission to call each other out when you're not walking as a son or a daughter, right? I think I shared a couple times ago where someone's like, you know what? 
You did that, man? Who? What? You, what? You know, I put my stuff up before you because I was walking in sin and someone called me out on it. How can we give each other permission to be like, hey, you know what, James? Man, you're not acting like a son of the king right now. You're acting like, like you're a servant, like you're a slave, like you're an orphan, like you have no dad. Don't do that. When you act like that, you mess stuff up. When I act like that, I mess stuff up. Man, I had to apologize to my kids probably 10 times this week for getting angry at them. I'm not kidding. I'm not proud of that, but I feel like if I'm going to preach, i got to be real. You know? Not, not like, oh, like, like mad, like bad, angry, like sinful stuff. Like, hey, boom. And I'm like, good Lord. And you know why that happens? I'm not going to blame it all on the enemy, right? I know enough, but like, if I'm going to speak about God's father heart, where do you think the enemy is going to try to get at me? To break down my relationship with my boys, Right? To break that or put confusion between me and Kirsten and doubt. Like, man, you know what? I'm not good enough. I can't go speak God's truth. We just argued about some whatever it was. You know what I mean? The enemy wants to keep us down, and he will. And we will let him if we choose to walk in the sinful behavior that we've grown accustomed to and comfortable with. So let me say that. That's true. All you have to do, look at it, examine it, repent and bring it before the Father, and he's already forgiven you. Way more than we could ever ask or imagine. Now, some of us, we got consequences, right? We got to walk this stuff out, right? It's not just a one-time thing. When we were talking with these girls who had just some deep, deep, deep stuff happen with them and their dads, right? And we're like, are you ready to forgive them? They're like, no. Can you, can you at least start to pray about whether you're ready to forgive them? I think I can do that. I think I can start. And when we talked about often how forgiveness is a process, right? There's hurts that are caused. I'm not trying to diminish that, right? Hurts that are caused, like, there's a process that needs to take place. And, and healing sometimes takes a while. But guess what? We got to start that process, right? We got to get that going. We want to start that. We want to be able to forgive those who've hurt, hurt us. We want to be able to ask for forgiveness to other people that we've hurt. We want to be able to say, man, examine your heart. See where things are at. Let's not make light of this stuff. You want all the good stuff? Get rid of this stuff. It's an unequal exchange of value. It really is. It's an unequal exchange of value. We get all of the inheritance of the kingdom, and all we have to give up is ourselves. That's all. It's an unequal exchange of value that he's calling us into as family. As family. Everything breaks down if we deviate from the model of family. It always breaks down. So, check yourselves. See where there's things in your heart that you need to get off your chest, right? Confess it to somebody else. Confess it to the Father, because we don't want the enemy to have any hold on you. None of that. We don't want that. We want to be able to walk in freedom. We want to be able to walk as sons and daughters. As a church body, we want to be able to be defined by we don't let each other deviate from not being family, right? from not walking as sons and daughters. So we want to speak truth to each other. We want to love each other, right? This is a blessing, right? It's a blessing to be able to walk this out together. And it's intense, right? But it's worth it. It's worth it. You know, we work for reward. Jesus talks about all the time the reward that we work for, and our reward is in heaven. And our reward also, so in that verse where Jesus talks about like what the plans of the enemy are, he came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly, abundantly, 
So what do we want? We want to walk in that abundant life. Amen? We want to walk in that abundant life. So as we head into worship, be thinking about this. And that's where we're going now. Okay? So we have, there's a reason we have worship at the end. Because hopefully God's spirit is speaking to you. And hopefully the word is penetrating your heart. And hopefully you are looking in your heart and being like, Lord, I want to get this stuff. I want to get right with you. I don't want to let the enemy have any more hold on me. I want to be known primarily as a, father, as, a, as a son or a daughter of the king. So as we head into worship, think about that. And just pray it out, right? And then just proclaim it before the Lord, his goodness. I want to read this verse from Psalms to be able to close us out. So Psalm 139, common verse, verse 23 and 24. I want to read this as we head into worship. And as you sit here and you think about what God's called us to, and that he's called us to family, and that we can go to him like this and we can say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Church, that's what we want, right? We want to be led in the way of everlasting. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you are our good and our loving Father, and that even when we got to get knee-deep in our stuff, that that's okay, because you call us to family. So I feel, em- I feel empty, like getting excited and proclaiming this kind of stuff and physically weak, thinking about, Lord, what you've called us to. So I pray, Lord, man, I don't want to have this burden on me, and I don't want any burdens on your body here. Lord, if there's conviction, bring it. But we pray against shame in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would, you would be a good, loving father to us, that you would speak to us, that we could turn our hearts towards you. And I pray now, even as we head into a time of worship and as we come up for communion, to remember the sacrifice that you had for our sins so that we wouldn't take that lightly, that we would say, Lord, you've called us to family, and this blood that you spilled was for me. Lord, forgive us for making light of it, and for deviating, and for trying to operate with our own plan, and not just submitting ourselves fully to you. I ask, Lord, for all of us here, that you will come and speak to us. Thank you that you are a good, 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 good Father, and that you love us. Be with us this morning. Be with us throughout the week. And help us, Lord, to be able to have the courage to deal with our stuff if there is any. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.